Welcome everybody to the 19th edition of Culture of Splife. We are one short this week. We've got uh, Rod Bradley, as always. Uh, Andrew's not available this week, but we have a special guest, good friend of mine, Malcolm McCary, who played for the Auburn Tigers back in the early 80s. So we've got an action-packed, jam-packed show tonight. Um, so we're going to go ahead and get started here. So I'll start inviting in both Rod and Malcolm here in just a second, but just want to let you know that there are multiple ways that you can follow us. If you're listening to us live, obviously, you know, you found us at Facebook live, um, but you can also follow us at Apple podcasts, Spotify on Twitter, Instagram, uh, YouTube, both shorts, um, and, and regular, as well as Facebook Reels. And everywhere you can find us, we are a culture of splife. So very, very easy to find us there. So I've got Rod just joined us. So I'm going to bring him in. So he'll be on here in just a second, as long as we don't have any technical difficulties. Yo, what's going on, man? What's up, Rod? How's it going, man? Living life, man. (laughs) We got a little bit to talk about today, huh? Yeah, we do, man. We got a great show coming. I hope you have it all all lined up because, yeah, we got so much to talk about. I had to take notes, make sure we didn't miss anything. There's been a lot that happened this week, man. (laughs) That's for sure. (laughs) Absolutely. So uh, I'm sure that uh, Malcolm will be on here in a second, but um, we'll go ahead and get started. We're a couple minutes okay. late getting started. So, uh, you know, this, this was a pretty exciting week in the, uh, the world of the NFL, right? First yes. thing that's happened since, what, early February, right? What yes. We, uh, what we kind of look forward to as NFL fans, and that, of course, is the NFL draft. So um, I tried to... I watched the whole first round, all three and a half hours of it. Um, amazing that you can pack 32 picks in, um, and it takes three and a half hours. Yes. But, uh, <laughs> but that, that's the beauty of it because there's just so many stories, backstories, forefront stories, and angles within those stories that, that just are so intriguing and fascinating for us to, to learn. Like, I mean, we see these guys as the players, but the thing I love about the draft time is just being able to see, like, you know, just what goes into them, the families, just the, their journeys. It's, it's like, it's, it's amazing. And I don't know about you, but what's what's crazy for me is, you know, they have, like, the little combine thing for all the rookies that, that, that plays on loop. Like, I've watched that, like, three different times with some of them, like Joey uh, Porter Jr.'s combine one and Jalen Hyatt and, when they spotlighted those guys during that time, like I love watching that stuff multiple times too. So definitely. Yeah. Seeing the the highlights and seeing the stories and all that. I, I love, I love every bit of the draft for sure. So what would you say? And we're having a, a tough time here. Malcolm's asking to get on and I'm hitting approve and it's saying he can't join at this time. So um, Malcolm, if you can hear us, keep trying and we'll try to get you in here. I don't know what the what the issue is, um, but what was your your biggest takeaway from the draft? The biggest 
surprise, I guess you could say, or um, I'm here, guys, no audio. Huh. Try to put that request in again, since he's here, or can he send us a request to join? I'm clicking on add, send invite. Oh, there we go. There we go. It says adding. That's the furthest we've gotten. So that's that's good. That's good. We're moving in the right direction. Oh, there we go. There he is. Yes. Uh-oh, did I speak too soon like Will Levis? There he goes. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, Malcolm? He's a long-running joke right now, though. Malcolm, I just said something bad, man. I'm glad I went to church on Sunday because that, that was bad. I don't think he can hear us. Can you hear us, Malcolm? You join with the uh, on camera. Should be able to have the audio with it. Oh, wait a second. Frozen. Frozen. Unable to add guests. Oh, it's working now. Yeah. We can't hear you, but we can see you. Did you? Uh, yeah. I wonder did he join with the audio there? He just if he joined on camera, it should have the audio. Yeah. Definitely. And there's no mute button like a Teams call. I don't know what what could be happening there. What we may need to do is have him back out and then uh, uh, re-admit him in. Okay, let's try that. All right, I'm just going to let him know, Malcolm, join on camera. Because if you join on camera, it should take care of the uh, video and the audio yeah, piece. I just invited him again. It's saying it's adding. Let's see what happens here. Okay. We had, we've been getting a step further each time. It was couldn't do it. Got him on no audio. Now it should be everything. There we go. <laughs> and I won't make any Will Levis jokes <laughs> again until the next one. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, he's still frozen. All right, Rod. So tell me, man, what was what was the uh, most interesting? thing that happened in the draft for you as you were watching it well i i mean you know you always have some head scratching things but for the most part i think a ton of people did a really really good job this time around you know and obviously the eagles uh becoming you know uh i mean you know just the, the holding spot for the georgia bulldogs is is pretty impressive um the heartwarming piece for me was to make a wish with the uh, the kid that got a chance to announce the Jets' first pick. I, I just that was just such a highlight, getting it. And that kid, like, literally sounds like he has a career in broadcasting. Oh, I yeah. Mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I mean, I can't believe my Ravens actually did the right thing and went after a receiver. You know, coming off of, uh, you know, going ahead and paying Lamar Jackson. So, right. Uh, <laughs> So that was pretty impressive. Uh, I know your boys, the Steelers, I, I was very impressed with uh, with the type of draft that they have. But, I mean, year in and year out, they do a wonderful job. And so I expected that. So so that was a pleasant surprise for the Ravens to, to do as well as they did. But 
I mean, just the Eagles being able to, to, to draft like three, the arguably the three best Georgia Bulldogs on the team. And then you come back and you acquire DeAndre Swift on top of that. So it's, that's kind of crazy. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Um, just, just amazing how Philadelphia was able to get the best player in the draft at nine because of the character issue. Yep. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if they can keep him off the roads, you know, make sure he has a driver, make sure he, they put a governor on his car, you know, whatever they need to do to make sure that he's not trying to race people out there. Um, Cause I mean, all kidding aside, we've lost, well, we talked about Bobby Phils, right? Yes. Um, and yeah, it was Bobby Phils. Bobby Phils, correct. Yeah, Bobby Phils. It was uh, the, the point guard uh, that played at Cleveland that was with him, Wesley. Yes. David Wesley, that's right. That's right. Okay, now you're saying it's showing you're muted, Malcolm. So hit that one more time and see if that works. But uh, one thing that I saw in the draft that I didn't, I didn't notice initially, and then there was, there was talk about it at some point, but uh, a former defensive lineman for the Saints, uh, his name is, uh, he, he plays for the Dolphins now. He signed a free agent deal a couple years ago with the Dolphins. I think his name is Taryn Armstead. Mm -hmm. I may be wrong on the on the first name, but it's T Armstead for sure. And um, he just thanked. Um, oh man, his name just slipped my mind. The uh, the New Orleans Saints guy who has ALS. Yes, uh, I can't remember his name, uh, but I know exactly what you're talking about. Yes, because uh, he actually announced Armstead's draft pick. Oh, and wow. he was just thinking Gleason, Steve Gleason. Yes, there okay, yes, that's exactly right. Steve Gleason. Yeah, just just thanking him for um, you know, everything that he had he had done for the family. Um, I thought that was that was really cool. And, and, and to, for our to mention him. if if uh if uh they watch E sixty on a regular basis, they should go back and watch the one on Steve Gleason. It was amazing. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then the other thing I would say is uh, definitely when Lucas Van Ness was drafted. Yeah. So Lucas Van Ness was drafted uh, number 13, 13 I think, um, to, the, to the Green Bay Packers. And um, his dad gave his girlfriend a hug. And at the conclusion of the hug, slapped her on the backside two times it's like whoa how do you uh answer to that question when that's now gone viral yeah it makes you wonder i mean like is this how we do things in iowa what, what in the world <laughs> <laughs> and then of course since you didn't take it i'll take uh i'll take will levis uh for for two hundred dollars <laughs> um wow what a, a a show that was i mean i've never seen a guy um of course then i learned that uh, branch was the same way of course he wasn't supposed to be at the top end of the first round yeah. um uh what's his first name brian branch uh, branch brian, brian branch Great. yeah but i've never seen a guy who two days before they were saying that he was going to be the second pick in the draft to not not get drafted on day one. I mean, have, had you ever seen that? 
Uh, I mean, I, like offhand, no. But I mean, if, if we if we dug, maybe we could find out. But but not to that level where, it, like, when we always talk about a precipitous de decline. That's that's like that's the 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 epitome of that. Right, right there. You know, but I don't know. I mean, you know, it's it's kind of one of those things too, where you know, there are a lot of experts and probably a lot of teams out there that have i mean we still have that that mitch trubisky buyer's remorse type of thing you That's know and true. there are some people out here who think that you know you know as, as the young people say it's giving mitch trubisky you know uh you know about him so i think that still plays in quite a bit oh yeah absolutely and you know as i was watching it i was thinking about aaron Rodgers, right he could have been the number one pick and he went 23rd, yep. right? And then you had Brady Quinn, who was up pretty high on draft boards. Mm -hmm. And they kept showing him in the green room. And that was just so sad to see. I remember but that. Will Levis, oh my goodness. He'd have his sister near him one time, his girlfriend the next time. Um, but what was, what was kind of interesting about that is he was interviewed when he was with Kentucky. And the question was, are you going to be in the green room on draft day? And he said, he said, oh, yes, absolutely. If I'm going to be a high draft pick in the first round, then I'll be there. And if not, I won't be there. <laughs> Brutal. But, I mean, they said there were problems with his character. You know, he was, he was a bit, uh, bit pompous in his interviews and – that didn't that didn't go over very well. Not to I, mention the I mean, fact truth, he threw a lot of interceptions. I was going to say, truth, truth be told, I was never overly impressed with him at Kentucky. Yeah, I, I mean, what I was impressed yeah, with him. Everybody wants to say he's got these measurables that 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 uh, you know are off the charts, but from a standpoint of how he played the game, I was never just overly impressed. Yeah, yeah. what I was most impressed with Will Levis was that he ate a banana without peeling it. That's that's about the the coolest thing that I ever saw him do. Yeah. <laughs> and very, very hey, that was rare one that way that's to get, get you in the first fast. round. What's that? I said very very rare that's going to get you in the first round. That's alone. right. Exactly. <laughs> you know. <laughs> hey, but man, it got people talking about him at Kentucky very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> I think we need to try again for uh, for uh, Malcolm because we still have the audio. Yeah. Clips. I'll try to remove him and. Try to put him in. I've never, never seen this problem, and he's definitely not muted. Um, but then that another great story of the draft was Branch coming back for day two. Mm -hmm. He was the only guy to walk out onto the stage day two, and I just thought that was really cool. Yeah, because most guys would have just been like, uh, "Forget it, I wasn't there." in the first round, so I'm not going to go back. And but, but that's what high character people do, and I expect him to be a very productive player. In this yes, game. definitely. Oh, man, now he's not showing up as if, I, you know, for me to add him at all. There he goes. Let's and, see. and make sure you press the button on the right side, and then I wouldn't imagine he would have his phone muted or anything like that. So See, what's weird is when you came in, it just says have him join on video and I click that. But when I do that for him, it says he can't be added. 
So I'm clicking on the bottom to where you add people. Can you? We got to say something. Nope. Oh, yeah. Man. Huh. That is weird. Because, I mean, obviously, with him showing up on camera, he did press the button to join on camera. Yeah. Yeah, and it's telling me I can't add him because he's already on. This time it let me click on bring them on video. Let's see if it works. Okay, so yeah, we should be good here this time. Sorry for the technical difficulties, y'all. Yeah. It'll be worth it. Uh, Could it be something with the Bluetooth connection? I don't know. He's got his lovely wife helping him on his anniversary. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary, McCarries. <laughs> or that might not be his wife. All I see is hair. It may be his daughter. <laughs> um, yeah, so, yeah, definitely. I don't, I don't want to be a Steeler homer, but I was very pleased with, uh, with our picks. And I'll let you talk about yours as well, Rod. But, uh, you know, when we traded with, with uh, Belichick, to get up to the 14th pick, I thought for sure that was going to be Joey Porter Jr. Mm -hmm. I was so excited. Uh, that's that's who we were going to get. And then, uh, of course, we get the the tackle from uh, Georgia, yeah, Roger, who Jones. Roger Jones, who literally destroys everybody yes. on the screen. So I know that Najee is very excited about that. There's no that question. Is Kenny Pickett? So yeah. I was cool with that pick. And then. I was like, man, we're not going to get Joey Porter, though. Uh, and then pick after pick after pick after pick. And then when some guy I'd never heard of out of TCU got drafted with the 32nd pick to the Chiefs, shout out Kevin France. Thanks mm -hmm. for not taking my boy. Um, I went to bed a happy man, right? Like, no, yes, no question. we're going to get him. If we don't draft him, what are we thinking? Oh, know? there was no question so, that he was going to be drafted so, at that point. And, I mean, I'm a Ravens fan, but that was still just a uh, – I was happy to see that from a father-son standpoint for oh, him yeah. to be able to go there. And, and the Steelers are as, as first-class an organization as you, you'll ever see That's in right. the NFL. So That's I, right. I certainly say that. That's right. Right. And then to swoop in and get uh, uh, the big tight end from Georgia, whose name is Casey. Oh, yeah. Right Darnell Washington. Darnell Washington. Yeah. What's he, like Seven five. 315. No, yeah, I, mean, only, I mean, practically it feels that way. But yeah, six foot seven is, is you know. Right. He jumps over people like Najee Harris does. Right. You know, it's, it's crazy. And he blocks like oh, a tackle. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I was telling you that I was talking to a, a friend over text and he was like, you know, who do you think we should get? And this was probably like after the 70th pick or something. So we still had a while. And in the back of my head, I was thinking, what about a two tight end set? Why not? Yes. You know, we got Freermuth, who's a stud, Freermuth, yeah. whatever. But uh, yeah, to bring to bring him in, that'd be awesome. Um, so yeah, I was I was very pleased. And then, yeah. as I told you, we got a seventh round six three two fifteen corner that runs a four four seven out of Purdue. Yeah. So uh, we'll 
see how that ages, but they expect big things from him. They they typically, I mean, you, the Steelers traditionally have solid uh, players for, that they draft. So yeah, I mean, like you never really worry about the Steelers, you know, crashing and burning with drafting. Right. Exactly. So speaking of uh, not crashing and burning, how did you feel about your Ravens? I, I mean, like year in and year out, I'm like, I mean, you know, we're only lacking any kind of wide receiver. So probably would be a good idea to at least focus on that. And that just never happened year in and year out. And finally, we got a wide receiver and, and not just a wide receiver, but one that I, I consider a very elite guy in Zay Flowers. So, I mean, you, you, you add him in with, uh, with, with Beckham being there now. So, and then of course we, we finally decided to pay Lamar Jackson. So it was like, wow, we have a commitment to having an offense that's functional. So this, this is a great step in the right direction of, of being able to compete with the other, other people, you know? And so that's, and that's been the problem. So, and, you know, so I just, um, I was very pleased with, with, uh, with what they did from a drafting standpoint there. So, so I, I feel like they've got pieces now where you can start making a run at something. Right. And then, as you said, getting Lamar locked up, what, five years, 265 or something? Mm -hmm. uh, shout out to Miss Jackson on that, yes. right? Yes. <laughs> he must have been listening to the show when I called him Fizbo, you know? He finally <laughs> hired an agent. <laughs> yeah, the for sale by owner. That's right. Absolutely. Well, uh, well, we're not I saying know. sorry, Miss Jackson. This time. that's right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I was I was thinking that I didn't I couldn't find a way to get it in there, but yeah, I was definitely thinking about our our friends. Shout out to for Al sure. Alcas. Alcas. That's mm. right. Southern playlist of Cadillac funky music, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it might be you and me, Rod. But we'll definitely get Malcolm on another time for sure. All right, well, uh, when we have we'll our, I mean, he's. He's got a, a, a not only just a wealth of knowledge, but just such quality stories that, that you guys are going to be very excited to hear about. No doubt. Absolutely. And he plays for the right team in Alabama. Isn't that right, Ryan? He plays <laughs> for the right team. <laughs> hey, look, I appreciate uh, everything he, he's done. And he was there at a time period where Auburn was dominating the SEC. You know, I mean, not just the state at that point. So, That's right. So, I mean, I, I – I totally respect uh, what, what they were able to put together. Absolutely. No doubt. So uh, one thing that Malcolm didn't do was transfer, right? He did no. not get in the transfer portal. There was no such thing as a transfer portal yeah. back then, right? So what are your thoughts about this crazy world that we live in of transfer portals? Well, as Dion say, go ahead and jump in the transfer portal, right? Right. He, he has, he, I mean, he's got some Louie that he's got to bring in, so you got to get out, right? right. Um, I mean, the number one thing that – I mean, we talked about it in pregame, but it's – we literally have, like, NFL and NBA free agency now in college uh, football. And we have it on so many different levels because the first level we have it on is, you know, now in order to get a recruit to come – you know, it's, it's about NIL money. It's about, you know, how can you leverage this? I mean, can you pay more than this team? For, uh, you know, and can you guarantee me a spot? And then, of course, we have the other uh, facet of it is 
you know, nowadays when people talk about building depth on a team, it's harder to do that because if the guy doesn't start and he feels like he's good enough to be a starter, he's just going to go to another school. Right. Right. And so, but now here's the craziest thing. Now we've got colleges reaching out to kids who are currently on teams, offering them through their agent or through them directly. And so now it becomes a bidding war just to get a guy to come back for his sophomore or junior year. And, 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 you know, like we see coaches that will leverage saying that, you know, I'm, I'm entertaining leaving a job just to be able to be paid more. Now you're literally seeing 19 and 20 year old kids who are able to do the same thing just to stay with the college. So it's hard enough to recruit, right? Just to bring in an elite class. Now you have to deal with managing egos to the point where, you know, somebody gets in their feelings because somebody else is starting and so they want to leave. And now you're at a place where you've got to worry about somebody else outbidding you if they have a good season. It's, it's literally, when we say the wild, wild west, that's not a hyperbole. Right. For sure. And, you know, I think it was, uh, of course, this is jumping to basketball, but last name Wong for Miami. Isaiah Wong. Isaiah Wong. Right. He's going to be a first round draft pick in a couple months. Mm-hmm. And they're bringing in kids out of high school and they were paying these kids more than they were paying him. And mm-hmm. he's like, but I'm averaging 16, 17 points a game at the college level. These kids are playing against nobody. I mean, look at who Zion Williamson was playing against, right? Like Correct. they're playing against nobody. And I've shown you that I can compete in the, one of the toughest conferences in basketball. And you're going to pay some guy more than me. So to your point, it's just, it's just absolutely insane. I mean, it creates so many different dominoes because think about a guy like Arch Manning. Now, he could pan out, but then again, I mean, he was awful in the spring game for them. And so you, you start thinking about, well, if I'm paying a guy $3 million to come in, and let's just say he doesn't pan out. Like back in the day, it was bad enough to have a high-level recruit not pan out because you just wasted a, a scholarship on the five-star. But now think about wasting a scholarship and wasting $3 million. Then look at it from a standpoint of, well, I know that I've got two guys better than him on the bench, but I paid $3 million, so I need to go ahead and see through on my investment. And let's forget about the guys that are better because we're paying him $3 million. He's got to play. Right. We've got some pressure from boosters now to say, hey, look, I understand you're the coach, and I understand you want to do what's best for the team, but I paid this guy $3 million. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, as we've kind of talked about, if he goes to the uh, Social Security office, wherever you go to change your name mm-hmm. and changes his name to Crago, he'll probably be playing for Valencia Community College on Kirkman Road in Orlando, Florida. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, <laughs> that's what they were saying. Without the name, he's a three star, maybe. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting. But one thing I did like, and of course, this probably has a lot to do with the amount of money that's in his family. And that is that he doesn't want to accept the NIL money until he's the starter for the Texas that, Longhorns. And, so. and that is the legitimate thing. See, I never necessarily had a, I, I never had a problem with, with payers, uh, with players getting paid because I do believe in the fact that if you've got somebody that's created value for themselves, that they should be compensated for it. But the problem that, that we're seeing here is guys that have not created value are getting compensated well beyond people who legitimately created value. Right. 
Right. And then, you know, and then, of course, now you've got, you know, the whole tampering and the free agent piece of it. And I just I just don't think it's a sustainable model. Yeah, I think you're I think you're right. It's it's just it's gotten out of hand. But I'll tell you what, I wasn't mad to get a nice little uh, I don't even know what position he plays, but he averaged 20 points a game for somebody who's coming to Auburn. So I think, hey, here we go. Yeah. So. You know, one one hand I say I hate it, and the other hand I'm like, hey, we need we need a score. You know, come on down to Auburn. We'll treat you right. I do see on his thing that the microphone is showing it's he's yeah, he's kind of been toggling it. Hey, Malcolm, if you can hear us, which I think you can, try to just come in without using any headphones or anything, and see we'll see what happens. Yeah. Yeah, because never had this issue before. But Rod, the other side of this, I met a guy in a in a business meeting, and um, somehow imagine that we started talking about sports, <laughs> and uh, we started talking about the dark side of the transfer portal, mm-hmm. and uh, that's the side of these agents telling these players that they don't need to be third string; they can go over here, they can go over there. And then they put themselves in the transfer portal, and then what happens? Nobody wants them. Correct. Nobody wants them. And they're just sitting out there. Now they've given away a free education, probably some NIL money, and now they don't have a team to play for. You know what's crazy is I think I saw something today where they expect that at least 30% 30% of the guys that are currently in the portal won't get picked up by anybody. Wow. So you understand that's almost a third of the guys that are currently in the transfer portal. They right. won't get picked up. And, like, I'm, I'm glad uh, that you guys mentioned that. That's a dark side that nobody's talking about yeah. right now. That's because right. everybody – because the thing about it is everybody assumes that being in the transfer portal – and because NIL money is out there, that every single athlete's getting paid six figures, and that's totally not true. Right. <laughs> exactly. But like you said, there's agents, there's relatives, there's friends, there's a whole bunch of noise and people in their ear. They're telling them all these different things. And so it's almost having them believe that hype of everybody's yep. getting paid. Oh, yeah, definitely. All right, so let's hit one more transfer portal thing, and then we'll, we'll move on here. Um, women's basketball LSU Tigers did something something happen over there this big week? time uh superstar <laughs> I mean just they're just they're just stacking them I mean Haley Van Lith and, and you know is, is from Louisville star is now with LSU joining Angel Reese and Flage Johnson uh Michaela Williams who is uh, the Gatorade player of the year and you know I, the funniest story about Haley Van Lith is Yo, obviously, everybody remembers this from Caitlin Clark. It was in that Louisville Elite Eight game against Haley Van Lift that this happened. So, so you've got somebody else now that can, you know, that is, is more than ready to mock Caitlin Clark if they ever play again. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no but, doubt. But how, how far have we come now in women's college ball to the point that we've literally have people joining forces and, and, and creating super teams? I mean, like, this used to just be – just kind of standard for the NBA. And now, look, we've got the women's game where there's so much buzz that 
you've got the ability to create super teams within that. I mean, like that, to me, that speaks volumes about where women's basketball is, is going on, especially at the college level, at least. Oh, yes, definitely. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's amazing that uh, the lady comes over from Baylor and in year two wins the national championship, and now she's set Yeah, for the next at least year. And I'm sure now recruiting will just pick up and she'll be in good shape for a long time. I mean, that's the craziest thing, too. Like, they've signed, like, two top ten players to go with everybody that's back for the most part to now go with Haley Van Lip. Yeah. So – Good luck facing oh, them. Yeah. Yes, definitely. So sticking with basketball, man, you've been watching any of the playoffs? Oh, oh man. I mean, we were talking about it pregame. We literally have every seed represented for the for the last eight teams that are left. I mean, that's figuratively and literally unheard oh, of, yeah. right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I've got the DVR set to watch both the, the Knicks Heat and the, uh, the Lakers uh, Warriors game tonight. But um, I was checking a, a score. Uh, actually, no, I was looking at the draft stuff pregame, and I saw the Heat were up by five somehow. So I doubt Jimmy Butler's playing. He's not playing. But they're still – yeah, they're, they were still winning. So um, I don't need anybody commenting on, on what the score yeah, is because I want to watch yeah. the entirety. But, um, yeah, th these games have been so much fun. Uh, you know, you've got Jamal Murray. Yes. Bubble Jamal. You remember him? Oh, Bubble Jamal and, Ball was he went off every game practically. He did. He did. And what he did the other night, um, well that was so that was what Saturday night. Saturday night. And he anymore. couldn't miss anything. No. And then yesterday he couldn't make anything. Although so, what was what was very uh cool about that for him is it still was kind of bubble-esque because he actually found other ways to impact the game in the fourth quarter to still help him win, even though he wasn't making shots. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And I think he had six points in the fourth quarter. He did. And, and a couple assists to uh, the Joker. My goodness. Oh, guy. man. Wow. <laughs> Dropping serious dimes to him. So, oh, yeah. So, I mean, even though that series is 2-0 right now, I still expect that to be a battle. Yes, definitely. Definitely. I I just I mean, I know I picked the I know I picked the Celtics, but uh that's that's not aging well right now. No, that's, no, that's no. Not aging well. They there's just something missing. They don't have that dog. No. Jalen had what three shots in the second half yesterday? Yeah. And I mean, one time I didn't even realize Tatum was on the court. I was like, oh, yeah, he is playing. I, I think one of the problems I see with them right now is there's this mentality of wake me up when the finals hit, right? right. I mean, although you're not going to get there with that mentality, but I just – I look at the body language right now, and I just think that there's this mentality on that team that they think somehow that they can sleepwalk through the East. That's right. Which is insane to even think that, but – that's just the way I, I see it here. And oh. it just came back to bite them because it was literally like James Harden regular season from five years ago showed up. Wow. I mean, that three that yeah. he hit to go up two. wow. But did you see the play before that when Malcolm Brogdon threw a perfect pass to um, oh the Kentucky kid, uh, Tyrese Maxey? Tyrese Maxey. Perfect pass. Right at the end of the shot clock, mm. Maxie caught it, 
he's running down the court and he even looks back like yes he did yes what's going on and then he dunks, he dunks it. it yes it's like what and then uh i can't remember the the timeline but after the sixers are up two i think there were eight seconds left something there like was, that yes um marcus Boston calls a timeout smart drives in goes to pass it to uh tatum <laughs> awful pass and uh reed picks it off and reed is falling out of bounds mm -hmm. reed is going to have to just like throw the ball up in the air and tatum pushes, pushes him in fouls like, what are you i mean doing? it was almost a frustrating thing for him because obviously with that pass i mean it was like you're like two feet away away from him and you just dro drove to the basket and you're gonna throw a pass <laughs> and it was almost like he was still like reacting to what was that you know when he fouled him <laughs> it's like a game of hot potato yes so I, I mean you know that's a big confidence booster for for philly winning that game without mb i mean that's just Indeed. yes yeah and, and what's crazy is what uh did you see what Charles Barkley said had to happen before the game for the Sixers to win it. It was that Harden had to have 35-plus. He said that Maxie had to have 25-plus. And I think he said that, that Harris had to have at least 20. Well, Harris had 18, but Maxie had 26, and Harden had 45. So everything that needed to happen that Barkley talked about beforehand – it was like he was Nostradamus. That's right. Exactly. Yeah, the pass that Harden had back to uh, Tobias, he hit that uncontested three. I mean, that kind of changed the, the game right there. So, yeah, I watched all of Inside the NBA after the games, but I didn't see the pregame. Um, but, wow, yeah. That was... so, I mean, that, that, that just that really stood out to me on that. But yeah. this is going to be an exciting playoffs. I mean, you look at each and every one of these uh, – series that we have now and in, in both both games in in each conference uh, you know it's just like the storylines are, are compelling and there's, they're going to be some very competitive series yeah you know i know we're not y'all just so you're if you're listening right now we're not philadelphia homers but there was a lot to talk about uh with that with that game last night and one thing that probably hasn't been talked about is i think his name is paul reed mm -hmm. role player who was probably playing in Joel yeah. instead and he drilled he hit four free throws down the stretch never even hit the rim and they were right. all high pressure he's the one that took it from two to four two to four points game. exactly that's right exactly so yeah these these playoffs have been so much fun to watch and I know we started talking about Jimmy Butler I mean wow I know we had a whole segment about him last mm -hmm. week but he I mean, just he's has, so he just has what this, no player on the Celtics has. Correct. I'm sad to say. I don't know if day one's listening. I haven't seen him uh, pop in here yet, but he, he may feel differently. And I know Tatum had a really good game, right? He had, what did he end up with? Almost 40. He had 24 at the break, but I don't yeah. know what he ended up with. I think, um, but for Jalen Brown. Like 35 or 36 or something like yeah, that. That's not enough in the no. second half when they were only, I think they were down three at the half, weren't they? Yes, I mean, you've done all that, and you're still losing without Embiid. So it's it's crazy. And, and, it and right now, he's got to shake that stigma. It's the same stigma that he faced from Game Five on, right? Uh, in the in the uh, finals from last year, it's like, where are you? That's right. Exactly. Hey.
trying to add Malcolm again, man. He's not giving up. He's like Jimmy Butler. He really is. Uh oh. Hey guys, can you? We can yeah. hear you. We just can't see you. Wow, man. I tell you, wow. Uh, I had to go on the uh, audio only. It wouldn't allow me to do the. Uh, wouldn't allow me to do the camera. I mean, I could do the camera, but I had no. It was ops that had no audio. So. Oh. Well, anyway, man, you see my son doing it, man. About ten years ago, he he he's making it happen in the playoff game right here. <laughs> <laughs> That is awesome. We, we'll take hearing your voice, though. So oh, that's right. And everybody's seen you for most of the show, you know. So um, the people uh, that are with us on man. live right now have seen you. This <laughs> is my first live uh, Zoom. So I'm either in person or on the phone. So hey, I hold the old man to his uh, to his to his lack of knowledge of how to work, but not to my heart. All right, man. Didn't you? <laughs> Didn't you just graduate from Auburn a couple years ago? Isn't man, that technology I, hey, big I, with hey, you? I wish. I, I got, man, I can graduate from a couple of years ago. Man, I'd be jumping up and down and got what I have now, the knowledge. Oh, my God. <laughs> man, I'd be uh, just excited all over again. Man. Yeah. I mean, it is a real honor that, to have you on with us. And, uh, and Josh, you know, tell our, our viewers a little bit about uh, about Malcolm and, and just his story career in so many uh, arenas. Absolutely. Yeah, Malcolm, we're, we're going to have a, a good good while to talk to him about everything that, that he did at Auburn. He was at Auburn from uh, 83 to 86, I believe. 87. 87, 87 okay, right. perfect. And um, all of his kids were in sports. Yes. So he's he's coached all different sports baseball softball basketball um but what his passion is right now is umpiring softball baseball refereeing basketball um and even volleyball yeah. which i know you told me there aren't a whole lot of rules in basketball but hopefully there are less rules in volleyball because i don't know many of them so uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and trust me guys hey uh volleyball it's exciting, man. Live volleyball. Now, it's a little different take because it's not a, a popular sport. It's not well-known compared to the big three. But volleyball is one of the most exciting games around, and you got these young ladies jumping out the gym. I, they call it a smash. I call it like a slam. You know you know how dunks, you know how we like to see mm -hmm. that explosive dunk that coming down the lane and all that stuff? When those girls set that thing up, man, and she comes smashing with the kill shot, oh my God, man, it's 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 awesome. Hey, they I, are I, above the net. Hey, I can tell you here in Shelby County, especially at the high school level, volleyball right now is exploding. Absolutely, it, it's a great sport. And now let me share this with you: that is the first start, uh, first sport to kick off the uh, high school season. Volleyball is the, is the first sport. Yep. And so they start in July. We mm -hmm. start preparing in July, and their first game is in August, right before school starts. But it is the, that tips off all of the sports in high school. All of the sports. It, it, it's volleyball. So it's a great sport, guys. And uh, I get a chance to uh, to appreciate and just see some amazing talent. And, and I love to see the girls just, just flat out just play above the net. They do it well, do it very well. That is awesome. Well, Rod, I know you had a couple questions for Malcolm, man, so I'll let you kick us off. 
Well, uh, I mean, you did hear us uh, a little bit earlier. Uh, you heard us talking about the transfer portal, and I know you uh, came from Auburn, and there was not necessarily a transfer portal back, uh, you no. know, in the in the mid '80s. And so, uh, we really want to get an opportunity. Uh, we got a chance to chime in on that, but we really wanted to get an opportunity from you just to just to get your take on on things now with with these young guys and and uh, college football and that landscape as far as with with the transfer portal and it being like free agency. Just kind of uh, you uh, give us kind of what what's 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 your thoughts and your perspective on that, guys. That transfer portal is a game changer. It is a, a game changer. Uh, let me reflect a little bit about back in the day. Back in the day, uh, when you made a transfer move, you basically had to sit out a year before you'd be eligible to play again. Okay. That's big because, see, look what happens. See, if you, if you stay two years, maybe three years, you might as well go ahead and stay the fourth and fifth year because why would I, uh, in my third year, try to transfer, I have to sit out my fourth year and then have only one year to play? Now, two factors that are making it just big, guys, is number one, hey, if I don't, want, if I don't like it all right anymore, I'm eligible to go right after the season into the transfer portal. Then, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think I have to sit out of here. Do, do we no, have to sit out of here? No. no so there you go. So now I can take my talent, and you guys said it well, just like a free agent. And then if the talent is well enough, now you're looking at another uh, advertising deal, NIL. So it's a win-win for for the players, and rightfully so in so many words. We mm -hmm. have always said this, and everybody has mm -hmm. talked about this. Coaches who have a superb year or a super year often leave the smaller schools to move on to the bigger schools, mm -hmm. and they move on and they increase their paycheck. Mm -hmm. So so what has been said about that? Basically nothing. Coaches, that's how it goes, you know. Coaches appreciate the players, what they have done, but they move on to bigger and better things, definitely mostly the salaries. Now is even opportunity with kids. And, and let me share this with you. Mm -hmm. Some of the big schools are losing some big talent, and they're yes. moving to other schools. So now they're not just as dominant as they once were, mm -hmm. okay? You can have – I mean, even back in my days, Coach Brian did it back in the 70s. Coach Dye did it. He had four or five guys could have easily started at other schools, easily started at other schools. So when you talk about a four or five star leaving a blue blood school and going to another school and a chance to just play right away, hey, that's a game changer. And then yeah, it definitely evens the playing field now. I oh, actually man. have heard some stories about Bear Bryant uh, saying back in the day that it's it's better for them to be on on, on my bench than uh, me playing against them. Absolutely, and he believed that. He believed that, Coach. That that was the same way, man. I'm telling you, man, in the 80s, if you check the roster from 19, Coach Dye got there in 81. And Bo Jackson was his first big recruiting class in 82. And, mm -hmm. and I was fortunate to sign with them in 83. But if you go back and check the rosters from 82, 3, 4, 5, Coach Dye completely just had a, a stable uh, athlete that could have easily played elsewhere, easily. And see, that at that 
beginning time, and people don't realize this, that was the 80s, they were the beginning of the SEC. Mm-hmm. The physical, uh, as you guys know it now, two things happened. The 80s, going into the, the 80s, the physicality was just there. You have to be just tough, built to be physical to play the game. And after converted over into the 90s, more of the Steve Spurrier, okay, became more arrogant. Mm-hmm. Look at the transition. Mm-hmm. But the 80s start building a foundation for the SEC. Coach Spurrier came in and brought the air attack with the Florida Gators. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, now, boom, going in 2000, the SEC really started exploding. Let me tell you the other third big factor of that. Now, as the, as the world has changed, so has the South. Because what happened, a lot of those guys in the 70s, in the early 80s, were going to other schools, mm-hmm. meaning they were going West Coast. They were going up to the Midwest. They were going mm-hmm. East, and they were going North. Now, look at what has happened in the last 10 or 15 years. You have athletes coming from the West Coast to come mm-hmm. to the South. You got athletes coming from the Midwest or the North coming to the south okay <laughs> so guess what and, and once you get to the south and you fall in love with the weather you the hospitality guess what you don't want to go back to the west coast you don't want to go back to the midwest to this day guys you know um the guys baseball i was talking to a guy out of chicago two weeks ago they came down and played in the hoover classic he said man we only played six games because he said we can't play in temperature of 32, 33, 38 degrees in baseball. They come down here every March, spring break, and they play the bulk of their games down south simply due to the weather. When you get older, do you want to be shoveling snow just to get out the driveway? <laughs> no, so, you don't. And we only get that maybe once or twice, maybe three times a year in the south. So guess what, man? The SEC right now is, especially with the transfer report of Man, you're talking about a free agency, and then you're talking about, uh, depending on your talent, you can be able to just earn a lot of money. I mean, let's, let's, let me shift gears a little bit. Just recently, we saw the women's uh, championship game. Yep. And look at Reed. She's from Maryland, down south. Great. She transferred Great to LSU. Great talent. Then on top of that, she's making seven figures. Is that not lovely? How can you yeah. do that? You heard what you said. Yeah. You said, man, I'm making more money in college than I would be making in the Correct. road. And when we were just talking about Haley Van Lith, she's she's yes, from I. Oregon, but she mm-hmm. was playing with Louisville. Now she's at LSU. Yeah. So that goes so, right into your point. So the South, the South is booming right now. Uh, it's booming, and of course, uh, the SEC has been has been dominating basically uh, now. For years, I mean, we knew football was always uh, the bread and butter. But what you love to see the the, the diversity of uh, of the whole conference, the little small sports that we don't talk about, gymnastics. We are competing yes. every year. Of course, now we can include baseball because the last couple of years it's been in SEC teams, yep. right? Softball, softball. Yep. I mean, oh man, love women's softball. Oh, man. Yes. I mean, of course, this year, the SEC, again, uh, you know, we had Coach Staley that at South Carolina with the Gamecocks exactly. dominating. Now you got LSU dominating. Golf will dominate. Track and field, a lot of oh. people don't realize this. 
track and field, track and field has always been one of the top sports in SEC. Oh, no doubt. It's a, it's a low it's a low advertised sport, but now it's getting the credit it deserves. Did you know a couple of years ago, Kentucky, the Wildcats, outside of basketball, won the national championship in volleyball? Yes. There you go. So, I mean, the diversity across the board in the SEC, man, it's just unbelievable. So, and, and, so, and, and, and no doubt in the world where resources are, are key right now, SEC's got more than anybody correct. by a long correct. shot. Correct, correct, correct. So to answer your question about that, man, I am in favor of the uh, transfer portal simply because it gives the player opportunity. Because I always said this now, and I tell kids today, uh, I got a men's team that I have. Uh, I coach uh, a semi-pro baseball team, and most of my guys are college kids. I said, look, man, you want to go somewhere, number one, where you'll want it. Number two, have an opportunity to play. I don't want to sign somewhere just because, yeah, I love Auburn, but if I, it takes me four or five years to play, man, <laughs> that's tough because that's a lot of hard work, bro. It's work. Those guys, those, those guys, and I said it when I played, and this back in the age, we were almost talking about 40 years ago, we deserve to get paid or should have been paid because oh, yeah. we work year-round. And they work year round, so I have no problem with what the that the monies that they are receiving is way overdue. If you ask me, oh yeah, I mean th th there's no doubt about it. And uh, when I uh, came out of school at Alabama, I mean we had the Tyrone Prothrow situation, mm -hmm. and and I think that's one of the biggest drivers of what could have been. And just imagine if oh, NIL man. was around, no doubt, with, with for him with the catch and everything no else, he struggled quite a bit because of that uh catastrophic injury so so that that name really just brings to the forefront the whole idea of, of why uh athletes needed to be able to to be compensated off Absolutely. of uh, what they were what they were able to produce from a value standpoint for the school because he produced a ton Absolutely. of value for the university of alabama well, well guys think about this think about this and i'm once again i'm older so i you may not can reflect but i can Think about all of the profit that the athletes brought to the university. And see, this is what people, they, they kill me, well, you're getting a free education. Well, it's not free. <laughs> it's not free. It's, it, it's a business transaction going on, okay? Yes, we are awarding you a scholarship for your talent to help better uh, our chances of winning and, of course, in return, we're going to give you exposure. We're going to give you exposure. Coach Dasset made it very plain and clear. He said, hey, yes, we're going to use your talent to help us win and make us a better place here at all. But on the flip side, you got a chance to get a degree if you want a degree. you got a chance to be exposed over millions of people to see you on TV. If you are good enough, you will be able to go to the next level. You know, that's why, you know, child – Dream is try to get to the next, to the highest the highest level. That's to the to the pro level. He said it is a business transaction going on, and, and, and in return we get something and you get something. You have to get an education. And I stated again, you have to want an education. We got the best tutors. We're going to prepare you. You're going to go to class if you want to go to class. He always said that. So so what I'm saying to a lot. Of a lot of people, I tell people, a lot of people during my situation, I could have gone to college just strictly off on the Pell Grant. I don't know if you guys, I don't know if you remember that, Rod. I remember that. 
Yes. I could have gone. I didn't learn this till I got after. You know, it was over with. But I could have gone to college. Too. I'm a pilgrim. Simply, I didn't have to go through all that. But when you love something, you go through some things. Mm-hmm. And uh, I love football back then, and uh, still love it. But I'm just happy for the players. Now, here's go to kicker. Um, where the big problem come in? What they say about number one, the transforming in the NIL deal. Some guys are rewarded, some are not, so it's going to bring division among the players. Mm-hmm. Well, we all know that how much love does the quarterback get? A lot. Mm-hmm. How much love does the lineman get? Before the NIL deal strike, before, how much love does the lineman get? Now, the quarterback mm-hmm. appreciate the quarterback appreciate the big dogs, right? Mm-hmm. But who, who ever talked about the Oils? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nobody talked about the Oils. I mean, it, so, we come- Call them the big uglies, right? Exactly. <laughs> Nobody talked about them. So guess what? They are is already within partial. Quarterback got, got too much credit when things were going good, and he also got too much, you know, blame when things were bad. But the OL was always been talked about less. Okay. Uh, but now the the big explosion are the receivers. Mm-hmm. You understand? Know mm-hmm. Everybody talked about the quarterback. They talked about the receivers. The running back almost now is like a second, is just a second tier compared to the receivers now. Everybody wants receivers, right? Mm-hmm. So my point when I'm making, you already got the uh, uh, division there already because you have, it's just how the trend goes. The demand the, the is quarterback, number one. Now it's receivers. Yep. It used to be, it used to be uh, running backs, mm-hmm. uh, uh, quarterbacks, and then receivers, Okay. So you already got a divide there, in my opinion. But, you know, people can got their own narrative. They can take it in the direction you want to go. So I, I, I really, I, I, I mean, hey, I don't see any guy, especially a quarterback, would go out there bragging about I'm this, I'm that, when you know that your livelihood depends on those big dogs up front. Absolutely. That's just a fact. <laughs> well, and that's one thing that I got concerned about when this NIL start, stuff started happening. You know, you right. have – you have uh, Manning making three and a half million dollars or whatever. And let's just say not necessarily him, but, you know, a quarterback like him is talking a bunch of trash, has a brand new Mercedes, you know, all these different things. And then you have this offensive lineman that may have gotten $10,000. Right. And he's protecting the blind side. You know, who's to say he's not going to Olay one time and that quarterback gets completely laid out because he doesn't like the way that he's treated, you know. That well, would... Let me say this, Josh. If a, quarter, a quarterback is that dumb <laughs> to brag and not acknowledge his big guys up front, yeah, he need an old line. When I was coaching in my house college, I was an old line coach. And uh, we, had a, we had a very strong mind, strong will quarterback. Couldn't read cover too, but he was very good, but he, he, he was like a linebacker. And I told the guys, I said, if you're talking all that, hey, man, y'all know what Ole mean. And he talked something during the game one time. And my told the guard, I said, if you're talking like that, Ole, that one technique came and knocked him and not depleted him. <laughs> and that was, that was the last time. And I told him after the game, I said, look, man, you don't talk to the people who protect you. I said, you don't talk to after them like that. I said, you show them respect and love because they, hey, man, they fight each and every down to make sure that you don't get touched. Hey, they that's don't the path of humility right exactly. there. Exactly. 
But and guess what? <laughs> After he took that blow, guys, hey man, he the first thing when he did his interview, he he acknowledged his OL. So I in today's time, I think the quarterback just realized what is the bread and butter that is the OL, no doubt. Them big dogs up front, man. They 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 protect. They they going. They are bodyguard. Bottom line. So yeah. I mean, that's just a perfect uh, way to uh, to outline and lay it out there for us as far as with uh, with the transfer portal and in the college landscape. Now, uh, getting into it, you know, when, when we talk about the creating this type of value, uh, you know, I know you have the background right now with uh, with, with with travel ball as far as with baseball, as right. far as with uh, with with AAU uh, basketball and so forth and so on. Uh, you've you've kind of you've definitely built up a reputation uh, in those arenas as from a coaching standpoint and as also from a from a uh, an official standpoint. Yes. And when we talk about players creating value for themselves to get to that next level, where you see all the NIL deals and everything else, it starts basically at that travel ball level here now, right? Yes. yes. And so, obviously. Like travel ball, whether it's baseball or basketball right now, those are billion-dollar industries, which means there's a lot of time and a lot of investment going into that yes. to put them in a position to, to be marketable for NILs and, and for transfer portal uh, free agencies, what we call it. So, and, and my daughter is, is in that world with, with AAU basketball and, and everything else now. And, and so the stakes are high as far as with coaches, as far as with the players, Absolutely. as far as with the parents, right? Absolutely. And so Absolutely. one of the things that we've seen, and you even hear your, your professional guys criticizing them now, is is officiating. Right. And, you know, one of the things, we want you to get an opportunity to, to have this take here on, in your experience, because we hear about, like, these are the awesome officials. Oh, man, we finally got this referee here. He's, 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 he's a good one. And then we also hear about, oh, my goodness, these guys were awful. These are terrible referees. So for what you've gotten a chance to see, what separates your really good officials uh, from those that are, that are the bad ones or the ones that we're, like, often hearing about, the, the horror stories about right now? Right. So, yeah, give a chance to talk a little bit about what, what you've seen that separates them. Uh, well, well, bad, good, uh, good and bad man, officials. Man, let, let me tell you something. You you talking about a topic that we would probably continue as 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 much as we do these live uh, podcasts, man. We will probably always talk about that. Uh, number one, let me just share this, guys. Uh, being an official takes a lot of courage uh, because you are making you are making or enforcing rules mm-hmm. and. Uh, and like anything else, it's just like when you go to court on a speeding ticket, you're going to say, man, I want the only one speeding. <laughs> I want the only one speeding, but you got caught. And I said all that to say this, is that, man, um, officiating is tough. There's no question about it. You got to have some type of uh, some type of demeanor about yourself to understand that all eyes are on you. And I, I, I say this all the time, the difference between the good and the bad is, number one, you have to love the game. Whatever you do, uh, yes, I'm state certified in basketball, state certified in baseball, state certified in volleyball. I do do uh, 
softball, but I'm not state certified, but I do it in the summertime mm-hmm. uh, because I just don't have enough time in the day to do all four. Uh, so you got to have a passion. It's got to be more than about money. That's the number one thing. And I've been very fortunate. I, I played basketball in high school, played baseball growing up. Also, of course, I played football and went on to college at Auburn to play. So it's the passion there that I have for the game. And I also find out once I start getting into the officiating business, it is a complete different tempo than being a player versus an official. It's completely different, man. We must understand the rules. We must know how to interpret the rules. We must know how to uh, enforce the rules, okay? And we got to also understand, too, and, and I can say this because my journey in life has put me there because when I was younger, I probably – uh, I was more uh, uh, defensive because of the simple fact I was coaching and still trying to officiate. So I wasn't really committed to the officiating. I just basically uh, enjoyed it. And, and at that particular time, it was out there. But as I got older, I understand the responsibility of what it takes to be an official. Because, number one, coaches' careers are on the line. Players who work hard in today's time all year round who are sacrificing time and energy and working on their dreams or, or, or trying to make sure they execute a play and, and, and you have to be in number one in position. Number two, first of all, let me start back. First of all, you got to, you got to understand the rules. I said that earlier. You got to inter- uh, interpret certain things. And then you got to be in position to make the proper call. So, in other words, you got to be a made true product to carry out your assignment because, see, you got so much riding on the court. I mean, we all saw what happened in the Super Bowl with the Eagles. Mm-hmm. And the bottom line, the guy held. People didn't like to hear that. and said, well, he didn't have a chance for the play in. He didn't make the call. But the bottom line, he even – the player admitted that he what? He held. That's right. Correct? That's right. And a lot of people yep. didn't like that. They didn't like it. Okay? But think about the millions of dollars was on the line for that. A lot of people lost a lot of money on that. Mm-hmm. So I said all I have to say this is that we have to prepare ourselves to make sure that you have that you are a good product. You got to be knowledgeable. You got to look the part. You got to uh, be professional. I'm a strong believer. Whenever I'm officiating baseball, basketball, volleyball, I look as a professional. I carry myself as a professional. Okay. Now let's on the flip side of it. You got a lot of guys who want to get in it. But they, a lot of them get in it for the wrong reason. They get in it because uh, it's no mistake about it. Officiating pays very well. Okay, mm-hmm. It pays very well. And some guys are in it for the money. My belief, guys, is that if I'm, uh, if I'm truly prepared, I carry myself as a professional, I am well-rounded and know the rules, well, the money will come because you're going to become a much wanted official. Correct. Uh, I, my business, you know, uh, I have a business, Max Sports Officials, where I advertise the three, uh, well, the four, baseball, basketball, volleyball, and softball. I advertise. And since my, I've been doing this now for about 10, 15 years, uh, people know me, and they mm-hmm. know what type of work, work I do. On the flip side, you got some guys who is coming in uh, not professional, have prepared themselves mentally nor physically, have not read the rules, and they're, once again, just in it for the money. And you can basically tell whenever a coach has to come in and explain to you a rule, 
you know that guy had prepared himself. And we we literally had that happen uh, in our tournament this weekend, uh, where literally had to explain to the the referee did not understand that it's a technical foul mm -hmm. uh, for a player to swipe at the ball uh, on an inbound play. Correct. I mean, we actually saw that in underneath the, the basket championship, underneath the back, or Correct. even on the sideline. Yeah, you on, on the sideline. Yeah. You know, and so did not understand that. You know that's a technical file, so you had to be explained. Right. You know, so you're so, right. so so you're right. We do see those guys that hey, it's it's easy with with AAU and travel season where you've got four and five games a day that you can officiate and rack up money on. You know, and, you know, uh, get in, get out. You know, but 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 Rod, Craig, Craig, this is the problem with people that most of them guys don't understand. Again, number one, time is being invested. Most importantly, monies are being invested. Mm -hmm. Parents are paying to get in, okay? Mm -hmm. and, and, and so what I'm saying is, again, they want a, a, either a product or service. And when Craig went out working at uh, YP, we had to promote our service to the best. Mm -hmm. and, and so I reflect that to me being as an official. I have to make sure I provide a service because I'm getting paid to do a good job for my mm -hmm. service. A lot of guys don't take that approach. Correct. And that's where the bad officials come into play. Okay. Mm -hmm. They think, and I tell people all the time, it's a, uh, it's a lot of stress when you are an official. Because, see, mm -hmm. number one, all eyes are on you. Number mm -hmm. two, everybody wants to call. The parents mm -hmm. want to call. The coaches want to call. The players want to call. And you and I both know, all three of us know, who in play competitive sports in, in, in my profession. I, I say this all the time. Number one, I don't have a dog in the fight. Seriously, because my job is to make sure I do my job and interpret and enforce the rules. Mm -hmm. I don't care who wins, but I want to do my job, mm -hmm. okay? So that's, that, that is very key. But we also know I got white team over here want to win. I got Blue team over here wants to win. Somebody's going to be happy. Somebody's going to be mad. That's true. And I don't want to be the factor that I didn't do my job, if that makes sense. I don't want to be that, that factor saying, well, well, because the first thing, I'm going to tell you what the first thing what they do, guys. Mm -hmm. <laughs> don't feel bad about it. It's a rough fault. Yep. They the one who made you lose. <laughs> yep. If they, they call them fouls even. <laughs> <laughs> hey, they don't even know the rules most of the time, yes. but they blame the official. And I say this all the time. I say this, guys. I say, look, look because, see, as an ex-player, as an ex-coach, I'm counting myself. I'm looking at how many turnovers did your point guard make. I'm looking at how many errors did your shortstop make. I'm mm -hmm. looking at how many times the pitcher threw the ball away on wild pitches. How many uh, missed layups did the big man miss? Okay, I'm looking at how many out of control fouls that goes on, and I, I tell the coach, coach, if I miss one or two, I say, hey, uh, I'm mad enough that I miss those. I said, but what about the players? What about the shortstop who had three muffs and two wild throws? What about the point guard who came down and had ten turnovers throughout the game? I no, no. No, you're right. I mean, it doesn't well, happen in the bubble. Say about them. I said, when are the kids going to take accountability? Accountability. And, of course, you can't talk to the parent because they're a little Johnny, a little Johnny, a little Molly, or a, mm -hmm. a, little, a 
little, little big dog out there. Parents ain't going to never blame the kid, but at the end of the day, and, and, and we're going on a whole completely different level now, guys. At the end of the day, when I was growing up, I was taught to be held accountable for what I did yeah. or what I didn't do. And we're uh, not well, getting that today. We're looking to blame somebody. That's correct. correct. Yeah, we're a win or loss is, is a summation of, of the whole game, not just that one play. Exactly. Exactly. And like I said, if you need me to blame that, I, that, that you lost, Coach, I'm mad enough to take it. I said, but you know deep down if you're a true coach, if your guys had – if you had I, – I, I just recently did a playoff in, uh, in baseball, locally and it, within the county. It's one of the 6A schools. The team had over 10 errors, and I'm being nice about that. But the first thing they want to blame, they want to blame the officials. Said it was my fault because of some of the calls I made. I'm talking about routine plays that should have been made, guys. Right. And I'm saying to myself, you wonder why we are where we are with our kids? So, so I guess what I'm yes. saying is, is, is hey, Crago, uh, it's a combination of things. Uh, number one, the officials have to prepare themselves. It's got to be more than just money. You've got to have a passion and love what you do. Because if you love what you do, it's just like our jobs mm-hmm. or our careers. If we love what we do, it's not work. That's right. We enjoy what we do. That's right. Okay. So then secondly, the coaches got to do a better job of coaching. Mm-hmm. Do a better job of making sure that they hold the kids accountable. Right? Mm-hmm. Make right. them be accountable. If you can't blame everything on somebody else, and that's what happens nope. when, when they get older. If, if we start blaming and relying on the blame now, guess what's going to happen when they get older? They're going to blame somebody else because of their uh, misfortune. That, that okay? is so key that you're talking yeah. about that. Like, cause oh, oh. My, my, my wife is a, is, is a teacher in the classroom. Oh, man. And, done it. Yeah. And, and so you always see the, the grades and, and even you talk about here now, the, the calls and what the results in the game, it's never the kid's fault. And Correct. So they, they, yeah, I mean, like when you said that, that's, that's you preaching on that right there yeah. because accountability is, is why we are where we are in our society no, with our kids and, no and our young adults now. So. And, and so now relate that back to what we're talking about, to officiate. So, yeah, the, 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 the officials certainly have to do their part. They have to do their part. They have to be a professional. They have to prepare. And the only thing I'm saying is the combination of things, too, as well as the coaches got to do a better job of coaching. I can tell that good coach, guys, I can tell. Because one good thing about a good coach, what he does not do, and it took me, and guess what? It took me some time to understand this when I was coaching, coaching through the ranks of basketball and baseball. I'm not worried about the official. I'm more so worried about my players to make mm-hmm. sure they got to they got to understand. You must finish the deal. You must. You, hey, if you want it, we got to finish it. You can't make them. You can't have the mental, uh, mm-hmm. the, uh, the mental breakdown. You can't have the physical errors. You got to do what you've been uh, taught to do and finish the deal. Mm-hmm. And the good coaches are not worried about the officials. They're more so trying to prep their guys to get them on target. The bad coaches who can't coach, that's a first. I had a man, oh, man, I had a guy back here. Uh, um, it was a junior, uh, I think it was a, uh, a freshman game. He asked me about the play I called in the first. I said, I said Coach, I said, that's past tense to me, man. I said, I'm, I deal with the here and now. What can we do about something that happened in the first quarter? <laughs> Nothing. You understand what I'm saying? Nothing. I'm worried about the here and now. So you should be caught up in the present. How can I get my guys to respond to what we're trying to do? How can we execute the play? How can we do this without turning the ball over? How can we do this without 
missing the layup. We do everything right, then we can't close the deal. So it's a combination of things when, it, when, you, when you want to talk about officiating, guys. Uh, again, we got to do our job as officials, be prepared. Two, the coach got to do a better job of coaching. And three, the kids got to understand you got to be held accountable because you didn't do your job. That's right. That yeah. makes sense, guys. That's yeah. Good. Hey, 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 guess hey. what now? Guess what? Maybe that's the reason why my face is hidden because everybody's not going to agree with me. <laughs> hey, hey, Josh, would you agree in, in, that this, what he just said, needs to be recorded and played to every single youth practice? in high school practice, like in the country before they start. Absolutely. The bottom line is if the game comes down to a final call by a referee or an umpire, then you did something wrong throughout the game because it shouldn't come down to that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and the accountability Absolutely. thing is just so that's, – that's just so poignant what you just said there because, right. like, right now, like, that needs to be the speech before every practice – for the coach to hear and the players to hear. That's right. Hold yourself accountable for what you're supposed That's to do. And you don't hey. have to worry about it. If you had, oh, had those 10 turnovers, it wouldn't be coming down to this last second Bingo. shot, whether or not a foul was called or not. Bingo. Absolutely. Yeah. Bingo. Bingo. That's well, Malcolm, my program director is buzzing me in the ear a little bit. Um, but I just had one, one more question for you, man. Okay. Um, what, tell our listeners a story that you have from either a fan or a player who reacted based on something that you did as an umpire wow. or referee. <laughs> I'm glad that you asked, Quago. <laughs> Simply because I'd be quick because I know our time is running up. Um, this happened this past Sunday. I was in Tuscaloosa. And, and um, this this team, was, they were winning. 32, we're going down to the final inning. And um, – so uh, I tell people when we start talking about 13, 14s and things like that, they, they're still trying to figure it out, which is understandable. So I, I tell the guys, I tell the coaches up front, and, and the coaches probably don't relate this to the – I know they don't relate, relate it to the parent, but they, relate to, they should relate it to the coach. I say, look, man, we're not standing up here looking at perfect pitches or, or looking at balls. I said, kids don't understand, mama, daddy, uncles, aunties and grandmamas and grandpas then come here to see them take walks. They want to see them hit the ball. If it is a hittable pitch, it will be a strike. Mm-hmm. Hittable means that you can put the ball in play. So the game 3-2, they had a guy on second and third, I think, and the kid uh, who was losing threw a pitch to hit the corner 3-2. Now, mind you guys, this happened two days ago. This happened Sunday. Uh, and I punched him out. Strike three. And so I'm, I'm, you know, I'm walking down the, the, the foul line and meet my partner. So here go the parent. He said, hey, Blue, give him a chance. I said, what are you talking about, Dad? That was no way I strike. I said, well, Dad, I, said, I don't know what type of baseball you played, but that's a strike all day. I've been consistent on making that call all day. I ain't playing no baseball, but I know you suck. I said, okay, if I suck, I'm fine with it. I said, bottom line, it's a strike. I'm not changing the call. Well, you just awful. You just suck. Why are you talking to me? I said, whoa, you came to me. <laughs> I said, you came up and complained to me. I said, it must have been. I thought, other words, it was your son that I, I punched out right. <laughs> so, so he didn't say anything. So I said, it must have been your son. I said, uh, he said, man, you just suck. I said, I'll tell you what. I said, I said, 
uh, this game is almost over. Because we're going to the top of the seven. If they're holding them, the game is over. I said, I tell you what, sir. I said, um, we are almost finished right here. I'm going out this gate right here to, to that side. I'm going right to my locker room right here. And I said, you can meet me at my locker room, and you can tell me how, how much I suck. I said, we're going to go ahead and, and make sure that we get a clear understanding how much I suck. <laughs> Destroy my character, you insulted me and say I'm basically cheating for another team because your son didn't want to swing the bat. <laughs> I said, So if you talking all this stuff, I'm coming right out this gate, I'm going right to my locker room, and we can discuss and we can make sure we come to an agreement. <laughs> I don't want to fight. I said, Well, <laughs> but I said, If anything, I said, Man, yes, yes, respect the pitch, respect the pitcher who made the good pitch. And also tell your son to swing the bat. So, but you get that type of stuff. I said, I'm not going to be talked to in any kind of way. I said, I'm not, that's not going to be yep. allowed. I said, I didn't approach you. You came to me. You up and talking about I suck and I did this. And I said, that's, hey, man, that we don't have any time. I said, when are you going to hold your child accountable for not swinging the bat? <laughs> and go. then on top of that, my partner came in and said, well, y'all winning. Why are you up here, uh, up here barking at us? I said, y'all are winning right now. And they did go on to win the game. They won three to two. But guess what happened after we had that little conversation? He didn't say anything the rest of the game. He of went, they not. went to the championship game. They went to the championship game, and they uh, lost in the championship game. But but people just got to understand, man, I don't have a dog in the fight. Yeah. I'm just trying to do my job. And the coach didn't say a word because he knew. He already mm-hmm. knew. The expectation that we pretty much said at, at the coaches' meeting, or at the at the plate of the coaches' meeting. So, so that happened this past Sunday. And, and sometimes you have to take a stand on this stuff because one of the things that I, what I don't want to happen, as we talked about, I don't want to be in any melee over a youth game. Correct. I don't want that. I mean, before I came on tonight, guys, I was looking at Facebook where a coach swung at an official, a basketball, wow. at a basketball. Have y'all seen that video yet? No, no. I'm gonna try to send it to you so you can oh, check it out. This happened on April the 20th. This just recently wow. happened. Yeah. So, so, so man, it, it, it's live events. It's tough. Everybody's not built for it. And that's why I said you, you got to have a passion and a love for it, and it can't be just for money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I love it. All right, man, I got one last question for you, and then we're going to get out of here for tonight. Sounds good. Obviously, you were an Auburn Tiger. No doubt. Still for, is. For <laughs> years. I mean, I'm Still sorry. Is. On the field, you were Got you were the defensive lineman for the Auburn Tigers in uh, some some big years. Yeah. You got to play with Bo Jackson. Yes. Um, and, and many other players. Share with us what your favorite experience was being a football player for Auburn. Oh, man. Um, oh, man. It's so many but one that sticks out to me is that um, coach die made you be accountable for everything and we had meetings every monday morning at seven o'clock you better be there about 6 50 because roll call starts and if you if they call your name you're not there you might want to show up and and uh 
the accountability of what we talked about, that still lingers. But my dad was the same way. Uh, I had a dad who was very demanding and believed in discipline. He, I mean, he was, you, you couldn't, it wasn't no shortcuts with him. It was straight down the line on discipline. And I just understood, uh, and I finally understood around my fourth and fifth year about you have to be accountable and you have to work and go get whatever you want. And one of the biggest experiences I tell I tell kids today all day about you have to believe in yourself and you have to be. <clears throat> I met Lawrence Taylor in New Jersey when we used to have kickoff classes, and I remember him saying, "He said, man, when I touch the field, I believe I'm the baddest, you know what, that walks the field." That was back in 1984, man, about 39, 40 years when when he said when I, and that's always stuck in me. I always believed that I belong at Auburn. Uh, I, I always believed, even Craig O, when we were working together, YP, it took me some time to understand it. But I told you at one time, I said, I know I can say it. I, just, I, I, I hadn't found the technique. But I said that to say this, is that I kept believing, kept believing, kept getting better and better. And so in, in 1987, Ron Starworth went down. Tracy Rocker went down. Uh, David Rocker went down, and, and and I tell this story all the time to kids is that it's not how you start, it's how you finish. Mm-hmm. And I always believed that when I was playing the scout team, we got into fights simply because I felt like I was a starter. I played in practice as a starter, and so when those guys went down, guys, uh, my opportunity came. And Josh, you know, we always talk about opportunities back in the day, right? Opportunities. You got an opportunity. You can you can go ahead and bring it, bring in a client. Well, I took advantage of my opportunity simply because I practiced like a starter, and I fought mm-hmm. and practiced because they were mad at me because I was making them look bad. I didn't really care because mm-hmm. I figured if I was gonna play on uh, Saturdays, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays was my game day, mm-hmm. and I went at it. I went at it, Rod. I went at it, and we fought. I had no problem fighting because I, I just believe I. Hey, to me, I, I enjoyed all that too. But when they went down, guys, I stepped up. I got an opportunity, and I made it happen. Mm-hmm. Um, the Sugar Bowl in 1988, we played against the uh, Syracuse Orange, but they were undefeated. And at that time, they was going to um, – if they beat us, they'll probably be number one. And we, oh, yeah, that's the Sugar Bowl, right? The Sugar Bowl. And we tied that game, I think 14, 14, 17, something like that. But I had a chance to hit Dunham McPherson, who was a high control the guy, made a couple of plays in the backfield, man. And um, and I said all that to say that when we had our end of the year uh, meeting with, you know, the coaches had all the meeting with the seniors. And I never forget what Coach I said. He said, Malcolm, he said, Malcolm, he said, uh, we threw a lot at you. He said, but you kept coming. You didn't stop. The plays when your opportunity came, you made the plays. He said, "Man, that's something that your mom and you got from your mom and daddy." And he said, "Man, you truly an Auburn Tiger because that's what we want as Auburn as Auburn men. That when when anybody can play when things are going good in their life, but it takes a strong man to keep coming when things are not coming, uh, not not uh, coming out like you expect them to, and you still keep coming." And he said, that's what we want as Auburn men. So that's one of the biggest highlights that I have is that it took me five years. And, and, and 
after that, I had a touchdown. I scored a touchdown off on the interception with me and Andre Bruce and stuff like that. And the touchdown was fun. Of course, everybody knew me because of me, and I scored the touchdown off that interception against East Carolina. But the biggest satisfaction moment is that when I was – when things was really tough, we didn't have anybody else to play, I was able to come in and I can do my job and, and help us because we didn't like the tie, but we definitely would take a tie instead of the loss. And uh, and I still use that today. I use that same uh, philosophy is that, hey – uh, I'm going to keep coming, and uh, I get an opportunity. I be ready when the opportunity comes. I can take it to another level. So that's that's some of the biggest things that I learned about Auburn, man. Uh, you got to believe in yourself, and if you believe, you keep coming. And uh, and and I will always be grateful for Coach Dad because he had, he had to share that with me, but he shared that with me, and I didn't even know guys. I didn't, to be honest with you, I never even thought of it like that. Only thing I knew, I felt like I belonged, and I knew I could play. And I just kept coming. So, yeah, that's one of the biggest moments I always have. I, I, I keep as an Auburn man. I love him. I just hope we can just get back on top soon. And that's mm-hmm. another topic. I know we're wrapping up, but we'll talk some more. And hopefully, guys, I can be able to see you guys. You can see me. <laughs> <Yeah>. and, uh, we, <laughs> we, <laughs> no doubt. You know, uh, we call this uh, this, this uh, podcast uh, – Culture of Splice. Culture of and, and I know Josh did a wonderful job in one of the earlier episodes uh, explaining uh, we, we embody the intersection of sports and life. And, and Malcolm, I mean, and, and for all you listeners, it doesn't get any better in terms of, of understanding where, where life and sports intersect than listening to what, what Malcolm just talked about. Like, that's, that is – you couldn't ask for anything better. Man, I appreciate you guys giving me an opportunity. Once again, Josh, giving me an opportunity to share. Um, I appreciate it, man. And Josh and I, man, Josh has always been a big fan of mine. And I had some tough moments at YP, man. And his words of encouragement always, he finds the right words. To, I don't know question. Right words to keep you going, man. So I, I want you guys to know I am honored. Uh, I appreciate the opportunity. Hopefully you'll have me back, man, because uh, I enjoyed it. And, uh, man, y'all doing a great job, man. Keep it coming, man. Keep it coming. Keep it coming. We are, absolutely. Yes, Malcolm, and I want to I wanna thank you as well for, for coming on the show. And, and as Rod mentioned, you know, we're culture of splife. And without even having a life topic today, you brought a life topic in, and that's accountability, right? There's not enough accountability in this world today. Correct. And, Hopefully that will change at some point, but it really needs to start with the parents out there that are listening to this show and just out in the, in the atmosphere, because it's what you tell your kids. It's what you teach your kids that is going to manifest. Hey, Josh, no doubt about it. What the kids see, they are going to react. No question about it. And it's come, you you hit it, they don't hit it. Start with the parents, guys. Right. Yeah, like Craigo, after saying that, all I got to say is, is let the church say amen. <laughs> amen, brother. But, yeah, brother Malcolm, we'll definitely, we'll definitely have you on again, man. I'm sure you've got some some great Auburn stories that our listeners would love to love to hear. Obviously, uh, I remember you used to wear your SEC championship jersey into yes. work on uh, yes. collegiate day. Uh, or whatever we called it, sports day or whatever. Absolutely. So, uh, hey, guess what? I still can fit my jersey, bro. <laughs> That's a.
Beautiful thing. Hey, 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 trust me, a lot of my teammates can't say that. <laughs> that includes running backs. <laughs> well, well, that's well, you know why that is? Because running backs get bigger after they retire. And defensive and offensive linemen get smaller. Man, we try to get retire. smaller. We try to stay smaller. <laughs> hey, we're already big, so we hey, we try to get down small. You're absolutely right, man. Well, yeah. I enjoy the guys, man. Definitely, I, I'm sincere about it. I, I, I will accept another invite, man, and uh, just let me know, and I definitely try to be on, and we'll absolutely. go from there, guys. Sounds good, man. Well, uh, I'll go ahead and sign us off for, for today. Uh, again, thank you, listeners, for for showing up with us. Um, next week, I wanna I wanna be a little bit more interactive. I was going to ask a, a question, um, but then we got too caught up in the interview and I forgot to ask it. But I think Uncle Joe's trivia will be coming back here pretty soon. Uh, so so look for that. Also look for other guests. Uh, both Rod and I have guests lined up uh, over the next couple months. So, uh, you know, we'll definitely have more, uh, more football players. Um, and then we'll also have some, some life people, as I've talked about in the, in the past. So um, you remember, we always sign off the same way. You can follow us on, at Culture of Splife on Twitter, obviously Facebook. Uh, there's Malcolm right there. Yes, sir. Um, <laughs> uh, YouTube, Apple, Spot, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. So uh, anywhere you find us, we'd, we'd love to uh, be able to be a part of your day and uh, let us know how we can improve the show because that's what we're really looking to do as well so we can make this the best show it can possibly be. So Absolutely. until next time, uh, we will see you then next Tuesday at 8 o'clock. Well, hey, as, hey, hey, I'm going to say this, guys. I'm going to be out. As Loverboy said, we are working for the weekend. Hey, we're trying to get there, brother. Y'all have a good weekend. <laughs> Thank you, Malcolm. You too, man. All right, brother. Y'all take care. Bye-bye.